0: Father, we thank you that wherever we are, you are there for us. Today, Lord, may we receive from you whatever you have for us, comfort, mission, wisdom. Our hearts are open to you in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Good morning again to you. So, coming to a church for the first time can be exciting for those of you who are here for the first time coming to a new church if you've just been coming for a few weeks or months i hope that you're having an exciting time i, I it is a time of discovery you know you learn new things about a church every week in your first few weeks or months uh, you're learning every week how how talented this worship team is and and uh you, you you'll learn if you're here long enough they don't just play church music you know if you're here in the fall they could play journey they played thriller that was that was quite exciting yeah Uh, You learn something about the congregation's personality. Like, it's the type of church that might play thriller. Um, You learn that this is also a church that's passionate. Passionate about doing good and meaningful work in the world. It's also a congregation that's understanding. If you have difficult questions about faith, we make space for that. We try to honor that, address those questions if we can. You also learn that this congregation can be silly at times. You might see a Monty Python skit performed up here before the year is over. Pastor Dan might wear crazy hats to teach us about the dangers of secular humanism and anti-humanism or that sort of thing. Anything might happen up here. But but let me tell you that after two or three years, you're going to have heard all of the Star Wars jokes. Um, you're going to hear all the exciting stories from far-off lands that we minister to. After two or three years, I mean, it's all great, but you'll be asking, is there there more? You begin to get that feeling like you're watching a show. It's a show that you love, but it's starting to be kind of the same. Stop watching's not enough for you. At that point, you're going to have a choice. You can either, why don't we try a different, crazy, wonderful church for a while and see what they have to show us week after week for, for two or three years until we've seen everything they have. Or, another choice, you can become involved in ministry here. Now, a lot of you have done that. About 70% of you uh, volunteer somewhere here in the congregation about once a month at least. And... You add quite a lot to ministry. You would never say it, so I'll say it. It's better when you're there. When it's your week to be on the team, you bring something unique that's, that God has given you, and it is, it is good. And you would probably say, well, it's, it's like God's doing it with me. It's like God is doing the ministry with me and, and through me. And that's all completely true. Now, others of you are ready For something like that. You're beginning to feel a twinge of responsibility for this church community. You're you're stopping, you're not really saying like the church I go to or that church. You're starting to say things like my church, my church. And and you're starting to have these feelings like I can get involved. I've been given much, and I can give from what God has has given me. And that's not coming from a place of guilt or obligation, but you really want to. You really do. There's just one problem. You don't know what you would give. You don't know what you would contribute. And so, since you don't want to end up in something awkward or or forced or whatever, you just kind of stay on the bench. Even though you kind of feel ready to get on the field. Now, let me tell you that staying on the bench when it really is time for you to be on the field is a trap all of its own. And the trap starts with just what I was already describing. Being on the bench when it's time to be on the field can begin to make church kind of boring. It starts to feel repetitive to you. And that temptation creeps in to to then wander to another church. And after three years, another church. And after three years, another church. And this bouncing around then begins to warp your mind. to where you start to feel like church is a place that ought to amuse me. And it ought to present me with something fresh and exciting. And it ought to hold my attention or or make me feel feel something instead of thinking of church as a place where God uses me for his mission in the world. Being on the bench when it's really time to be on the field also is a trap because it it breeds this kind of rigidity because when you just sit and observe then you begin to compare and then you begin to judge. It's just an effect that sitting and watching has on us. So at a time in my life when I was beginning to become rigid so for personal reasons I don't ever drink but, I mean, like water, but you know what I mean. All right, okay, so, uh, for personal reasons, I don't ever drink. Well, as I was becoming rigid in church, I began to feel like that anybody who does drink is just not a very good Christian. So if you had a beer after you mowed the lawn, then my thought was, not really very much in God's plan. Now, that wasn't grape juice Jesus was drinking at the Last Supper, but, but I, that's what rigidity does. It begins to make you judgmental of other folks. You know. So I pray in the morning, and I pray after work. So as you become rigid, you can start to think, well, everybody who doesn't pray twice a day is not a very good Christian, even though I only added praying after work like a week and a half ago. But that's what that's what rigidity, that's what rigidity does to us. Um, so being in ministry uh, breeds a certain kind of compassion in us because it gets us around other people, and seeing people that do things different ways makes us uh, understand that our way isn't always what everybody's called to. So we can become very tribal if we don't serve in ministry because we just live in our little world. So we get these notions like uh, people who homeschool are the only real Christians or people who homeschool are religious nuts because we're not around any actual people that do those things. But you get into ministry in the church, you get around people who homeschool and private school and public school and you start to realize God can work in all these things. It breeds a certain kind of flexibility. You can begin to stereotype children. You can start to say, you know, children are just loud, messy, germy, irrational. But you get into children's ministry and you realize that while all those things are true... um, There's also a third dimension to kids. You get around and you're like, this kid's very compassionate. This one's very, very wise. You know, you begin to see more to our younger brothers and sisters in Christ than you thought when you were just watching. Honestly, being involved in ministry makes you more honest about the church. Kind of on the opposite end of the scale, sitting here at Lakeland, you begin to develop notions like, you know, I've made a really good choice. I think Lakeland community is pretty much about the best church in the whole world. And every other church is just kind of lame compared to this one. You are headed for a huge disappointment when you realize that's not true. And it will make you very angry when you realize that uh, this church is just filled with sinners. Like me, trying to follow God as best we can. If you hadn't been expecting that, uh, that can make you angry. But being involved in ministry lets you see how the church really is. So I had a friend of mine who used to be able to work from home once a week. And so he started bringing his computer up here to the office to uh, do his work from home day. And I said, why are you working in the office on your work from home day? And he said, I want to hang out with the spiritual superheroes of the church, our staff. Now, after about three weeks, he quit coming. <laughs> and so I, I said, why did you quit coming? He said, after three weeks, I figured out of hanging out with you guys. You guys are just morons like everybody else. That's true. And that is healthy. That is, that is true because all glory in the church goes to God. Uh, who is the star of the Bible? This is still in presentation, and it has the same answer all the way through. Who is the star of the Bible? Who who is the star of the church? Who is the Lord of heaven and earth? And who isn't? Us. Us. And being involved in ministry, you'll see that really, really clearly. So I'm going to make a big claim here but it's a completely true claim. Serving in ministry makes you a better Christian. And I don't mean better than people who don't serve. And I don't mean better than your neighbor. Nothing like that. I mean better than you were when you were just sitting on the bench. Sitting on the bench when it's time to be on the field is a trap. So I remember when uh, my brother and I uh, at a time in life were called to take the plunge into being involved in ministry. And we felt the uh, prayer in college separately. But at the same time we began to feel like uh, God in our prayers was giving us a single word. And the word was move. So we used to walk around the house. Our parents thought we were a little unhinged, but it was better than some of the stuff we had been into previously. So they tolerated it. But we would just walk around the house saying, you know, God said move. We said it like that too. It had a heavy dose of bro to it. God said move. Now, what does that mean? How vague is that? God said move. Move where? Move how? Now, fortunately, we were too young and stupid to care about things like clarity. So we just knew that it meant to do something for God and see what happens. Now, I've come to believe that that is probably a key spiritual discipline. Sometimes you just got to do something for God and see what happens. Because you can't get anywhere if you don't move. And sometimes where you are is seated down so low that you can't see anything other than it's right around you. You literally have to get up and move a little bit just so God can show you was just above the foxhole's edge. Now I want to tell you that we then proceeded to try some things that did not work so well. But we also tried some things that did work. We moved into some places that God did not bless. But we also moved into some places that God did bless. And as we began to move, we began to learn things about how God works in us. One of the things we learned was that, that my brother and, and your brother in Christ has a, a spiritual gift of apostleship. That sounds heavy. What is that? Apostleship is this. When you have nothing but an idea for a ministry, there is no money, there is no people, there is no plan. God gives him to bring a ministry out of just nothing but an idea. To gather people, to create vision, to inscribe direction, to draw a map of where this thing's headed. He might actually paint it one afternoon on the lobby of our church here, but a map to inspire people. God has also given him a spiritual gift of leadership. So in this church, if there is a task that needs to be done, there are many of you that can be called on that will be faithful to that task. But if we discern that what we really need is a team, Jason is one of the folks in our congregation we can call on because he gathers people and inspires people and equips people for whatever journey they're going on and cares for them along the way. Teams happen around him. God uses him that way. So if you're trying to leave the bench and move on to the field, but you don't know where you would go or what you would do, why not take a short mission of discovering what God's already put inside you Move a little. Because those two stories I told about him, there's two stories like that about you and about everyone in here. Scripture says that each person has been given a spiritual gift for ministry. Spiritual gifts are in Scripture are abilities, talents, strengths given by God's Holy Spirit for ministry in his church. And they, some of the spiritual gifts they mention are, are pretty much just what you'd expect like a spiritual gift for teaching, or a spiritual gift for prayer. Uh, Some of the spiritual gifts are something you thought, well, I thought that only happened in Bible stories. I didn't know it could still happen in the church today, like a spiritual gift for healing, or a spiritual gift that performs a miracle. Also in the Bible, surprisingly, there are spiritual gifts that are surprisingly every day, and it can go unnoticed if you don't take a moment to notice. The spiritual gift of encouraging others is mentioned several times in Scripture. The spiritual gift of helping others, of just seeing a need, and I can do that. The spiritual gift of organizing things, of being hospitable, and many, many others. So why does God work through these spiritual gifts? Well, one of the things that spiritual gifts do is they make sure that all of the ministry of the church can happen. So here's a passage that we study often. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There's two other passages that read a lot like that in Scripture. And now it's time for confession. I've preached this every year or so since I've been here. And I have never given a reason for why God gives spiritual gifts other than what I just said. That it helps us do the ministry of the church. However, Scripture never gives that as a reason. I don't think that's untrue. In fact, it's probably obvious that it gets ministry done. But that's not ever the reason that Scripture gives. So you're hearing something for the first time. Because last year, um, Pastor Dan said something that kind of challenged me about looking at why the Bible says that God gave spiritual gifts. Which led me to study these passages that come before these gift lists that I always read in these sorts of messages. Listen what it says just three verses before what I just read you. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given each of us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then it goes on. So that says that God has put these spiritual gifts into you and into everyone in the church so that we will value others as God values them. And that you will value yourself as God values you. That you can't say, well, I don't know what I would contribute. Because God has given you something to contribute. These gifts mean that everyone is needed for ministry. And no one is not needed for ministry. Everyone's on the field. No one is on the bench. They're given to help you be sure that you value yourself. As God values you. And to make sure that you value others as God values them. And that others value you as God values you. But this next one's my favorite. I would always read the spiritual gift list from 1 Peter. But listen to the reason that comes right before that of why it says God gave these gifts in the first place. This has become one of my favorites. 1 Peter 4, 7. uh, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. That means that God is giving us these gifts so that we can make the best of these hard times we live in Showing each other love until the return of Christ and the new creation. So these gifts let us show a deep love for one another in a world that beats us up, puts us down, steals our joy, tells us that we are unlovable. We come together in the church at least once a week and the Holy Spirit undoes all that damage through these gifts. So how does God use me to undo the damage of the world? It's taken me a while to to be able to say this because I've always been a little embarrassed, but I think this is true. I believe that one of my passions is to make things fun. And I believe God has given me spiritual gifts that apply to making things fun because the church needs it. Our lives need some fun and some silliness so desperately and it's me, for some of you, that God calls on to do that. Some of you don't find me fun at all, just dumb. And that's okay, there's a different fun master anointed for you. But uh, if, if dumb is your thing, then God taps me to, to serve you in that way. In a passionate, hard-working church, we need both. We need both.
1: Here. well, One of the things I love about God is that he is this masterful craftsman. I love this quote from John Ortberg. It says, God is a hand crafter, not a mass producer. And what he's saying is that for each of us, God has very unique stories and very unique experiences, very unique personality, very unique gifts. And he's taking all of that and he's put that stuff into each of us, the good and the bad. He's put all of that stuff in us so that we can build his church and so we can love his world. And that person is you. That person, when it comes to organizing some fun things around here, is Garrett. That person is me. But it takes a lot of work, I think, sometimes to actually find ourselves. And I think it takes this community to really discover who we are, to take what God has tossed into us and then use that as some kind of a catalyst for movement, to get off the bench and jump on the field, to love this church body and the world it serves. So we're going to do some of this work, and we're calling it the call milestone. The call this year will be a five-week self-study followed by a half-day conference. During the first five weeks of this study, which you can completely do on your own time, or you could do it in a small group, if your small group is looking for a short season of content, we want to do it all together. What we're going to be doing is we're going to use some tools and some uh, time of reflection to examine the stuff that God has put into us. So that's that first five-week self-study. And I want to use my life as an example to kind of walk through what we'll be doing during that self-study so you can get maybe a little bit better picture. One of the things God has poured into me, Garrett, and you, are spiritual gifts. Garrett did a great job describing these. Well, I've been doing ministry for a while, and honestly, I sense that God is changing some of my gifts. God can do that because it's for the purpose of the body. He can alter that within you. And I've sensed that God wants to use me in some different ways. I um, took a test, there's a little spiritual gift test that's part of the call milestone, and I retook that, and indeed, there were some changes in my gifts. And so I'm going to explore that during the call. For some of you, this will be the first time you're like, spiritual gift test? What's that? During the call, you'll get to take that test and explore what those gifts are and kind of join me on a journey to figure out what are those gifts and then how can I apply those for the betterment of this body. I think it's going to make us better in our families. I think this will actually make you better in your work. And it will certainly, certainly be a benefit to this church body. During the call, we're going to also reach inside ourselves and we're going to take a look at some of our life experiences. This should be kind of fun. In this case, we're particularly going to look at the things in our lives that make us feel the most alive. For me, I'm excited about this part because I'm a little tired of some things. I, I, I listen to the world a lot and I am going to take this season and I'm going to quit listening to what the world tells me I should or ought to be passionate about. I get caught up in that real quick. I'm going to quit listening to what culture tells me I should or ought to be doing. Because honestly, it's not getting any real movement out of me. I want to take some things and I want to see what is my actual zone of influence. And for this season, I'm just going to focus on those things. I'm going to find out what brings me life and how I can use that for the benefit of this body. Honestly, I think there's going to be some strange things, but I'm not going to be ashamed of them if there's something weird. I can already tell you I'm really into, like, woodworking these days, and I'm really into, like, nerd role-playing games and stuff like that. I also like to work with students, and so I'm going to figure out if there's something maybe I can do with those things, because I have had a sense that there's some kids around this church that feel a little left out that want to come play some nerd games, and I think God's given me some ability to mentor and things through passions I already have. So that's what I'll be exploring. Maybe there's something in you that gives you life that you want to explore during the call. During the call, we're going to reach inside and we're going to pull out something called personal style. I think we can be at so much more peace when we can be comfortable with our own personalities. We can start to be comfortable with our own skin. For me, I like people way more than tasks. I also am pretty good in either structured or unstructured environments. So I'm going to sit with this information for a while, and I'm going to make sure that the things I get involved in can accommodate that personality. Or at least that I can let the people that are over me that need to know this about me, I can let them know, communicate these things about myself. I think it will help us all out. Finally, during the call, we're going to reach inside and we're going to examine our passions. After I've sat with some of the experiences that I talked about a second ago, I'm curious. I'm curious what God is going to teach me about what I really love. I'm excited to dream and scheme and make sure that I'm not just along for some ride in life, but that I'm intentionally and passionately moving out of who God has made me and what he's poured inside. My buddy Sam is really good at this. He loves life experiences. That's his thing. Life experiences, and he loves community. He thinks everybody ought to be doing everything in some form of community. And I'm grateful for this. Because Sam is one of those guys that has influenced me just by doing what he loves and inviting me into that. He actually sees it as kind of his God-given duty to do that. Sometimes I'm like, wow, the audacity. You know, He can almost pester us. Come do this. Come be a part of this. But that's his call, and it's benefited me greatly. He's also the experienced station leader for our middle school kids upstairs. How fitting is that? He's very good at it. Sam's found his call, and I want to do that too. I want my passions to be laid at the feet of Jesus so I can examine them and see what can God do through me To benefit this body. And this will all be the beginning. That's the self study. After five weeks or so of self reflection, we're gonna come together for a five hour conference, and that's gonna be a blast. We're gonna come, we're gonna take all the things that we've discovered, we're gonna dream, we're gonna unpack ourselves, and kinda guide each other through a process of figuring out who we are together. I think our church needs this time. I think it might need you to be a part of it. The stuff that has been poured into you is unique to you. The stuff that's in me, the stuff that's in Gary, it's unique to us. But it's not meant to stay there. It's meant to overflow into the rest of this body. So if you are new to this church or for the first time maybe saying, Yeah, I think I get it. I'm starting to call Lakeland my church. Then I think the call is certainly a must for you. But if you're like me and you've actually been around, you've been doing ministry for a while, then this might be a refresher for you. Either way, it's a time that we'll be able to come together under one vision
0: called the Call Mazda. This is our vision, to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do, and your gifts, your experiences your ways of doing things, your passions, that's all been put there by God for this mission. You're here for this time to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Those gifts in action is where the ministry happens, where everyone is valued, where they value themselves, where we're made one about one thing, the cause of Christ in our world, where each of us, loves each other as we go through these hard times now and in the future together. It all happens through this mission of answering God's call. So we have a video here. It's just four examples. There could have been many more. It's just four examples of folks who took the gift God gave them and just obediently acted in that and how that touches other people. So let's watch that together
2: upon arriving to lakeland every sunday i'm welcomed with open arms a smile um, someone that knows my name and more than that someone that knows my husband and children's names there's someone a volunteer that has touched my life with a simple yet very moving gesture. Um, And that person is Paula Spencer. On Sundays, my family loves getting to see her face and how she lights up. She can change our entire energy of our family with just her one look. Um, She's excited to see us, she's welcoming us, um, and lets us know that she's glad that we're here. She uses her gifts of hospitality and positivity and faithfulness to show us, I think, a tiny glimpse of what eternal life will be. Um, You know, I hope one day that the shiny doors open and there's someone standing there with a smile on their face that knows my name and that says, I'm glad you're here.
3: One of the experiences that stands out in my mind about Lisa is kiddos found a panda bear that had a hole in it. And Lisa's like, oh, I can fix that. I'll take it home and sew it up and bring it back next Sunday. So the kids were so excited when the panda bear was there and it was fixed. And she said it happened like three or four weeks in a row that that panda bear kept finding a hole in it and she'd take it home and sew it. And I just think that really speaks to the way that Lisa cares about our kids, um, that she's willing to go beyond the Sunday service, um, that she goes uh, deep with these kids and really cares about them and about their feelings um, about what they're going through and that she'll do anything to help them.
4: It only takes uh, four words for me to wrap up who I think Matt Sisk is to our family and that is he is a good man when you ask my son about Matt Sisk he will light up and he'll say Matt's been a big part of my life since kindergarten I have fun with him I rely on him and he's always there for us Tate said Matt's a good father and he has great kids and I thought that is exactly who I have prayed for to be in Tate's life is a man that is a great example of who God wants them to be in life and he is showing that to Tate not just on Sundays but throughout his life. And I just think it's a wonderful gift.
5: My family has been coming to Lakeland for about six years now. My husband and I, our youngest daughter, has a disability. And um, without having some assistance in in the children's ministry, she can't participate in all the activities that go on there. For a lot of Ruby's life, um, she, I would say, Ruby feels like an outsider. Um, it's hard when she can't do what everyone else is doing. And Kathy's impact on Ruby has been to make sure that she can participate in the children's ministry events, and/or that she is spending time with with an adult who cares about her, who's investing in her life, and so. Ruby associates that love with church um, and she's able to be part of the discussions and the wonderful learning opportunities that take place in, in the children's ministry. I don't think if Ruby didn't have that kind of steadfast interaction that she would be learning and growing closer to God as we want her to be um, in the children's ministry. And so Kathy's had a profound impact on Ruby's continued spiritual development um, by by giving her steadfastness, that pillar of consistent support, by also making sure that she's right in there with all the events and activities that they're doing.
1: If you have never discovered your gifts, styles or passions, then I think the call is probably a must. For you. If you're ready to fully participate in this church, it's definitely a very good first step. But if you've been doing church ministry for a while, it might actually be a good refresher. If you feel stagnant or bored here, you might be bumped back into that must category. The common question that I've received about the call is that if you did it two years ago, should you do it again? And I think that answer is yes. The call happens every other year. And anyone that's leading or serving or wanting to be involved, to be moving around here, I think should should do something like this. It's kind of like professional development for Christians. If you're a, a doctor or you're a teacher, then you initially learned what you did by going to college. And you probably had a very wow experience. Everything you're learning was new and great and it was fresh and you were getting it for the first time. And that's important. But good doctors and good teachers don't just stop there. Through the years, they set up a regular time of professional development so that's what the call is going to be for us in the church it might not be the same wow experience the first time you learned your spiritual gifts but it will be a time that you can re-examine and refine your craft also the content for the call changes from year to year but strength finders this year gifts passions movement this year so after we've done all of that we've done the signups and everything um, or actually, I haven't talked about that yet. So we're going to be, we have been announcing this for about three weeks, and we're going to be actually closing the sign-ups in a couple of days. And so it is actually time to register now. So if you wanted, you could pull your phone out right now. We're talking about movement, so you could go ahead and just do that if you want. And if you just go to the form section of the app, you could sign up for the call right now. Better yet, outside there in the lobby, there's a milestone wall. You could go there and get help registering. Or my favorite way is um, my wife, Twyla, she actually... standing out there probably right now waiting, um, you can just leave your email or your phone number with her. Her spiritual gifts are all those kind of like empathy. Like she has to do the administrative side for milestones, but her gifts are like empathy and listening, all these kinds of things. Um, So her favorite part of the job is actually just to get an email and get to call and just talk to you and walk you through it. She loves that. So so if that's easier for you, I think it's a real blessing to her church. You can just Slide your email, and we'll contact you. She'll get you all set up, everything you need to know. So after we've done this registration process, we'll be ordering the the, uh, materials, and on February 24th, the stealth study will begin. We'll have a little accountability along the way. I'll send out some reminders, try to help you kind of keep on track. And then on March 30th, we're all going to come together for the five-hour conference, and that's going to be a blast. This could be really good for you. I do think that doing this every couple years It's very healthy for our church to come together, to remind ourselves who we are, to remind ourselves how to overflow into each other through hard times. It's good for us. So let's respond to the call together. Amen?